This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by ComicBookClick.com. That's it, people. ComicBookClick.com is the one stop for all things Comic Book Click, our merchandise, our articles, and every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Visit ComicBookClick.com and remember, you, yes, you are worthy. Everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you could only be here for one reason, that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I am never alone, sir, please introduce yourself. I am your tragic monkey's Paul Gregory Thomas, aka GT Rebirth. GT Rebirth, you know, I, I, I wished for you to be on this cast, ah. I did. I did, but I think in doing so, I resulted in getting massive consequences by doing so. Uh, first, I, I got to ask, how was your holidays? Was it good? Oh, uh, they were all right. They yeah. were all right. A little bloated, but I worked through most of it. They were all right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I gained more than my share of weight on this <laughs> during this holiday. Yeah. I keep getting uh, stuff with food and desserts, and it's been fantastic. This year. Yes, yes. Um, and with yeah, like you said, with a crazy year, it's been cool to finally be able to like power down just a bit. Um, and we all got excited when it was announced a couple months ago that Wonder Woman would be coming out on Christmas Day. So it's like you have the holiday, you have all the food, all the great stuff, you get to relax, and you get to sit back and watch Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, and that's what I did. And that's what you did, and that's what we're here to talk about today as part of the Major Issues Podcast. We're going to review Wonder Woman 1984 uh, and all of its glory, but I guess for the spoiler-free people at home, what did you think of the film without spoilers? Um, you know what? I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was all right. I thought it was in the middle. Um, okay. I... I... Because I didn't particularly come out of it with any uh, negative feelings. I came out of it thinking it was a little bloated. Okay. I think there was a lot happening that didn't need to happen. Right. And, you know, uh, it would have been... In, in, in an age where people are so concerned with, like... um the fullness of seeing a particular artist's vision, I think the cuts would have served this. <laughs> right. Um, Patty Jenkins is returning, uh, you know, uh, on the reins again, directing this film after the huge success that was Wonder Woman in 2017. Um, and I, I agree. I think one of the things that you'll hear, even from people who are not um, giving out spoilers for this film, is that it's it's kind of long. And the reason why I say kind of long is because... I don't want to say it's long, you know, just like as, as a blanket statement, because I don't particularly hate long movies. Um, but yeah. I think one of the arguments people have been having about it is that its story doesn't necessarily um, uh, lean towards having a longer film. And so right. in doing so, certain uh, scenes are lengthened, seemingly, or certain uh, plot points are diverted from. So that we can get this this heftiness of a movie, um, and my big problem is because I, I I'm not really keen to like all the cinematic terms, but one of the ones I know is pacing. 
Yeah. And I feel like this movie is is has a pacing problem, a bit of a pacing problem. Um whereas like some of the moments that you that are really exciting and get you really going aren't very long and then you're sitting uh in between in other scenes where again in my opinion the actors are all killing it everyone is using the height of their powers in this everyone's trying hard to um you know bring all the material on the script to life we have heavy hitters in this we have you know veterans in this um that really make some some of these characters shine but I, in my opinion, during the first viewing, I've seen this now three times. Um, there are certain elements that took me out of it, and okay. Um, initially, when it comes down to stuff like this, when I see something like this get like dragged through the mud, as this film is kind of sort of being dragged through the mud at the moment, um, I try to find the other side of it. And shockingly enough, about half of the people who've seen this film love it love it unapologetically and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but as somebody who like had knee jerk reactions like real Mm-mm, i don't like that <laughs> stuff <laughs> I, I i i start to question whether my uh view or or expectation was too rigid or whether sure. you know whether my um i always say this and that you know I, I i don't believe it but sometimes i think like maybe i shouldn't have seen the first one before i saw this one <laughs> But oh, like, you saw it like right before I, we podcasted on it right before. Oh yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's like uh, it's like. Um, I, but then I would argue that most the 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 goal for most sequels should be to eclipse the original. Um, certainly, but you can also just make a movie, right? <laughs> like they yeah. said, people should be allowed to just make a movie. So I'm fighting myself, as as you can hear. <laughs> I'm arguing with, my, with myself to try to come down on a stance on this film. And I guess as we get further into the plot, we can talk about what we liked and what we didn't. Um, but yeah, there is a staunch uh, half of the fandom that really dig um, the changes that were made in between this film and, and the first one. Uh, and then there's a whole host of fans that don't. I don't. I don't feel right discrediting either. I do think that both sides make valid points. I don't necessarily like the um, what I see is like people trying to qualify each other, right? Like hmm. qualify who's who's uh, able to make these opinions about these films. You know, like right. oh yeah, I read this many comics. Oh, I've been a Wonder Woman fan since whatever. It's like <laughs> we all we we all quote unquote bought a ticket when we bought a subscription. You know, these films should sure. be a bit. Uh, more broad. There's a lot of like, there, there's a lot of like, oh, I saw the original series, so I understood what they were doing. Right, and there's some of I, I, uh, you know, read Wonder Woman comics and I hated it, and because you don't read comics, you don't know what you're talking about. But again, right, a film's main goal should be overall to be enjoyable, um, or yeah. as a form of entertainment. And I guess whether or not you found this film entertaining really lies in. Uh, what one? What you find entertaining, and two, specifically, what you find entertaining about the character of Wonder Woman. I don't know if many people who didn't like the first came back to see this. What do you think about that? Um, that would surprise me, I guess, because I thought the first was just really strong. Yeah, yeah, but I wonder because I, you know, we we read some um feedback last week where people said 
I mean, I was surprised, but uh, I actually had a, a female uh, listener say that she wasn't too fond of the 2017 film, and actually, really? yeah, um, yeah, and she, you know, preceded that opinion by saying that she was in love with the Linda Carter series. Mm. So and the, right, and, and and it's interesting because like, really, if you if you if you take the history road around Wonder Woman. The character has gone through so many transformations because yes. nobody knew how to characterize her, especially not just as whether or not she is the princess or the warrior, but just as a female lead. 100%. And like you were saying, you know, f- further than just characterize her, people didn't know how to sell her because that's effectively yeah. what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to get her to the masses. I mean, um, they, you know, we had that failed Wonder Woman pilot <laughs> that didn't go too well. Right. People are constantly trying to see what parts of Diana to strip away or add on to increase, you know, the um, entertainment factor of this character. And, and we also had that poor period in comics where she was like a fashion mogul Wonder Woman. Oh, my God. With all the like <laughs> the, the uh, British fashion <laughs> that she was rocking. Yeah. And the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, who's that for? <laughs> but uh it's for girls. They love shopping, don't they? Uh, apparently, and and you know, I I say this, and I, I say it in the in the true safety of this podcast. But <laughs> I also feel bad um, when I explain parts of the characterization of Diana I, that I don't like because the director is a woman, and the director wrote the wrote part of the script, and I'm sure Gal dug it, and she you know is a woman, and so I don't want to be like. Women should, you know, I don't, I don't want right. to be, the, I definitely don't want to be that voice. And I don't think, you also have to, I think you also have to end up featuring the idea that like, I don't know if she wasn't the first one, but she definitely was a producer on this one. Right. So Gal Gadot is very tied into the vision and the trajectory of where that character goes. Cause it's so important to her. Right. Right. But if you, if you didn't have, I don't, think gal necessarily you know was flipping through comics uh, as a young girl uh in israel maybe she was um but now she is that character and there's people who've done that who've fully embodied their character to the point that they say i think i know where i want to go with this not necessarily where this character has gone before but where i think my version of the character should go um even you know looking at a film like logan you know that that's not shot for shot old man logan that's Hugh Jackman's no, almost vision and James Mangold's vision of where that character should go. So I can see somebody reading Old Man Logan and watching Logan and going, "What the hell? What you know? What the hell?" And it's like, well, it's not shot for yeah. shot what that was intended to be. And if you listen to a few interviews, you hear like even like as far as long as for as old as it technically is now, like Thomas Jane had very particular ideas about where his Frank Castle was gonna do, go. Right, right. And then you have, um, I want to say. Uh, I, I gotta remember her name, but the female director for Punisher Warzone went out of her mm. way to be as gory and gonzo with that film because of the Punisher comics, you know, Punisher Max and stuff like that. And yeah. that film didn't do too hot. So it's like you're you're almost damned if you do, damned if you don't. And um, Patty is a bit of a wonderkin right now, you know, uh, getting Wonder Woman across that threshold and and making all that money and breaking all those records. You know, has landed her this film, seemingly a, a sequel that we'll talk about. Um, she's doing the Rogue Squadron film for Disney and yes. Star Wars. Um, so she is doing something right. Uh, so 
Let's talk a little bit about the background of this film. Um, Wonder Woman 1984, stylized as WW84. And I had an epiphany, GT. Go for it. Is WW84 supposed to be like World War 84? Is <laughs> that what this is? Because so. I'm like, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. What is it? I look at you and I listen to you. I'm looking at it. And like she did stop a world war, right? Um, she stopped a near war catastrophe. Yeah, but it was between like I don't a think there would have been anything less to be a war. Oh yeah, yeah. There we have no winners in something like that. But I'm like, literally, yeah. the only time you put WW in a number is World War. And I'm like, why WW84? Why 1984? Turns out, uh, Patty thought it was the height of Western civilization, and that's why okay. she chose 1984. I don't know if that's true. I was born in '89. I would consider 89 then the height of Western civilization. <laughs> but to each his own, to each his own. Uh, the film is a 2020 film based on the DC character uh, Wonder Woman. It's the sequel to the 2017 Wonder Woman and the ninth installment in the DC Extended Universe. The film is directed by Patty Jenkins from a script she wrote with Jeff Johns, who's making a lot of friends in the DC mm. studio world, and uh, Dave Callahan. Based on a story by Johns and Jenkins. Gal Gadot stars as Diana Prince, Wonder Woman, alongside Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal, Robin Wright, and Connie Nelson. Set in 1984 during the Cold War, the film follows Diana and her past love Steve Trevor as they face off against Max Lord and Cheetah. Uh, discussion of a sequel began shortly after the release of the first film in June of 2017, and the, the decision to proceed was confirmed the following month. But it, it should just be so easy as you make a film and then you release it, GT. But that's, <laughs> not, that's not what happened with this at all. Uh, it was originally announced for a release date of December 13th, 2019, before being moved to November 1st, 2019 then delayed to June 5th, 2020. But in March of 2020, with COVID going down, the film was delayed to August 14th of 2020. Uh, and then in June of 2020, the film got delayed to October of 2020 before being delayed further to the Christmas date of 2020. <laughs> so I think it had at least six or seven release dates. Which at is least, yeah. It's, uh... It was something. <laughs> and that's the thing. People started to really wonder if this film was ever going to come out and how it would come out. I felt like this film and, and Black Widow were playing like a weird game of chicken. Like somebody had to release their film and see um, if streaming <laughs> would be a viable market for these things. Because it doesn't. we don't know how long it's going to be until we're able to get back into theaters. And this is not the only film to be completed that is waiting for a theatrical release. Um, but it's going it, it it's going to set the tone, in my opinion, for a lot of the other ones. What do you think? I, uh, you know, I think it's interesting in the sense that, like, I think Patty Jenkins has been given a lot of freedom to do what she wants to do, as well as Gal Gadot, not only because um, previous successes, but because those two figures are so important to that uh, to that uh, property, right? Yeah, that to shake that up, any would would probably um, cause ripple effects that they don't want to deal with. Right. Wasn't it? Um, wasn't it reported that those two got extra money for allowing this to be streamed on? I believe HBO? I did hear that. Yeah. 
So yeah, because a lot of people are wondering when if it goes to streaming, what what is the dividend? How does everything get distributed with money as far as money is concerned to the actors that get paid to the studios who have a ton of people to pay, you know, and um, you know, the production and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, but like we said, a Variety would end up going on and reporting that although it had a Christmas release date. It would be released simultaneously in theaters and digitally on HBO Max on the exact same day with the film being available at no extra cost so long as you are uh, a subscriber. And uh, yeah, I think, yeah, it came out Christmas Day. Uh, it ended up debuting to $16.7 million, finishing with $68.3 million, which was well above expectations and has been the best gross of any film during the COVID-19 pandemic so far huh. in one weekend. Um, but sadly, it made eighty-seven percent less than the first film's opening weekend. Eighty-seven percent less. But then again, sure. those were different. Work. That was a different day and time, you know. Oh yeah, you remember back I mean, then? Like you <laughs> arguably, <laughs> like you arguably lose like five tickets for every one, you know. Yeah. Uh, viewer, because like people could obviously share accounts and there are several different profiles on one account. Yep. Yep. Um, like, it was an issue, like, you know, I remember when the WWE Network came out, and I remember everyone saying, like, oh, my God, they're, you know, they're paying $10 for for pay-per-views now, like, instead of the normal hefty $60. And I used to, I, was, I would say, well, I know a lot of people who pirate, you know? I know a lot of people who pirate yeah. that they're, that WWE is never going to get their money so long as the prices are that high. But if you're able right. to knock it down to 10, you might get more people than you would ever have gotten in the first place. Might be less money because, you know, $10 a piece, but more people overall. And I think some of that logic is here where it's like, but in reverse, like you said, instead of a family of five all going to go see Wonder Woman, you get one account and that's it. And now everyone's, yeah. everyone's seen it. Um, I also think it's leaving HBO Max, right? Like in January. And, uh, yeah, supposedly it was like for like a month. Yeah, uh, which makes sense because they're going to want um, DVD sales, uh, mm-hmm. video on demand sales, all, those, all that kind of stuff there. Uh, people have a month to do. It, it's so crazy. Like, usually when we do something like this, I have to find, you know, through the black market of, you know, artifacts like Maxwell Lord, I have to find some sort of way to f- watch the feature film again and it's usually in terrible quality <laughs> um you know to review it i've seen it in theaters but to take my notes and stuff i would have to track it down again and see it in some cam version and try to review it i'm not gonna lie it's pretty cool to be able to get this in hd and see it as many times as i want to uh, <laughs> that's that's a definite plus and you know being home and stuff like that uh during all this i think helps but I, i'm not gonna lie I, i'd like to visit a theater sooner rather than later <laughs> Boys. All right, you ready to get into this plot and all the spoilers? Let's get it. All right, we get an opening scene that was released online of a young Diana participating in an incredible competition of some kind where her, uh, on her native land of Themyscira. Even though she's young and smarter than her competitors, her desire to win and determination to finish has her in the lead before she loses her control over her horse and is left in the dust by her competitors. Noticing a shortcut in the course, Diana takes full advantage and regains her lead, but before she can complete her final task, a spear throw, she is stopped by her aunt, Antiope, played by Robin Wright. When asked why she was stopped from winning, Antiope says by cheating, she has proved she is not ready to win, and therefore doesn't deserve to win. 
No true hero is born from lies. A heartbroken Diana doesn't seem to understand this concept at the moment, but she will. What do you think about this opening scene? I thought it was... Um, are you familiar with, like, uh, Fancy Metis? <laughs> that's, the that's the vibe you got? It's like saying the pod racing scene is cool. Right. could have cut it in half. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that why you watched it, or is that something that you see now in retrospect? I think that's something I saw in the big picture. Okay, I think that's interesting. Yeah, it does go, and you're like, "Where is this going?" <laughs> you know. Yeah. I did like to see the colors of the, you know, those uh, those flags and the smoke plumes um, yes. when they were when they were doing that. It's interesting that the colors are the one woman colors for the most part and green. <laughs> um, but I guess the primary colors, Amazon's. I guess it works. Um, it was cool mm -hmm. to see the Amazons. There's a lot of cool stunts being done in that whole yeah. like triathlon of sorts, uh, swimming, horseback riding, you know, um, a bunch of stuff with pillars. And um, I couldn't do it. I'll tell you that <laughs> I don't got the cardio. It was a very eye pleasing, like athletic like, little experience there. Yeah, yeah. And at first, you don't know why Antiope just like yokes her up when she goes to throw that spear. So you're like, what the heck is going on? And she's like, nah, nope. I, I kind of like that no nonsense. I, I, I had a feeling she always. I I I I got the the idea that like oh okay she knows something's wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I like the no nonsense of it all. You know, yes. this is the queen's daughter, but I mean, it's, but it's also her niece, and she's like, no, nope, sorry. Um, you don't get this, right? And I think the idea that no true hero is born from lies is going to be a big thing uh, that we talk about in general. And I might as well break the ice and say this first. When I saw this scene, when I saw her being scolded for this, it reminded me of another person who seemingly hasn't won a certain, uh, let's say, competition that took place on November 3rd and seemingly is trying to lie his way into saying he has won it. <laughs> and just the adamant, being adamant about no, like you, you didn't win. You cheated. Stop trying. It's over, you know, uh, take your L and, and it is what it is. And I, right. I very much felt that was reminiscent of that. I don't know necessarily if that was intentional. Um, when we talk about Maxwell Lord, we'll talk about whether or not, you know, uh, his uh, persona is based on anyone um, and whether or not that's mm. intentional because I've heard many people see it, like they see it clear as day and other people are like, I think you're you're reaching for that. Uh, but we'll get right. there. We'll get there in a bit. As a matter of fact, we'll get there now. We fast forward to 1984 and see 80s life is as vibrant and colorful as it's ever been. Through advertisements on the TV, we are introduced to the main antagonist of this film, Maxwell Lord, played by the wonderful Pedro Pascal, our Mandalorian, who claims that his company, Black Gold, will be able to make people's lives better so long as they invest. While this is happening, Wonder Woman stops a woman from being run over by a car and saves a bride from drowning uh, when she falls off a bridge. There is a robbery taking place at a jewelry store in, in a mall, but instead of taking any diamonds or gold, the robbers specifically mention that they know that the jewelers have a black market side business in the back, and they steal what appears to be historical artifacts. As they attempt to get away, one of the men drops his gun, which causes a commotion so big, he threatens to kill a child, so long as he can get away without being arrested. Our hero Wonder Woman shows up in all her glory, and with some pretty cool lasso moves and increased skill, she apprehends the men and delivers them to the police. 
Mm-hmm. While, uh, while she has been operating as a local hero, Diana has done her best to keep Wonder Woman a secret, destroying cameras uh, when she can to avoid detection. This was another big action scene, the first of the film, um, this mall scene. Um, the the music in the background is very reminiscent of Dick Donner's Superman. A lot of fruits, um, stuff like that. Um, and just, I felt like the overall feel, it's kind of silly. The idea that the guy would drop his gun, you know, fumble over his gun feels very Superman-y. Um, <laughs> there's some moments, there's a moment where she pushes a man through a drum and he's holding on to the frame and he's like spinning around in circles. <laughs> it, it feels quite silly. How did it land with you? I I, uh, it. I I had no problem with it. Uh, just to say, I thought it was, it was cute. Like I I I I more specifically remember the like the the kind of lighthearted silliness with the way they uh, shoot the scene where she saves the kid. Right. Yeah. And then like ask the kid to keep her secret. Yep. Or she will come and hunt you down because she knows where <laughs> she knows where you live. You think that's a that's a nice shush? No, she means. Snitches get Amazonian stitches. That's what she's talking about there. <laughs> um, there. What do you think about the increased lasso play in this film? We see it first here. I I totally get it. It it it's very um. Uh, Ninja Turtles two, where we're sort of like trying to take down all these people in the least violent ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of tripping and lassoing. Yeah, which is I guess. Um, can be informed by the massive amount of consequences that she saw in World War One. Uh, moving yes. forward, I'm assuming she was at least, at the very least, aware of World War Two <laughs> and the Vietnam War. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I could see her totally toning down her apprehension um, techniques. In Diana's apartment, we see pictures of Steve Trevor, but also pics of Etta James, um, his old secretary, and we see her in her old age, suggesting Diana stood her friend until her death. Um, mm. Well, we also see. I missed that actually. Yeah, there's a picture of her and an old lady. I don't think it's very. You can read too much into it unless you're like really trying to read something into it, which is exactly what we right. do on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but after after like really looking, I'm like, yeah, that that that's got to be her. Um, mm. uh, she also keeps Steve Trevor's watch visible alongside a picture of him, and doesn't seem to have entertained any other men since he died in World War One. Did you have an issue with that? Not necessarily. I think it. I think it speaks to like uh, the kind of loneliness that she would probably, uh, how do you say, like push herself into, especially with her lifestyle. Like, what do you do with that? Yeah, yeah. I I had an issue with it up front uh, because okay. I think at this point she'd be about a hundred, and that seems like a very sure. long time to be hung up on one person. But as somebody who really wants to enjoy what he watches. Uh, part of my head canon is the main thing keeping her from moving on from Steve is that she doesn't want anyone else to know she's Wonder Woman. Sure. And she, unlike other people, is not split down the middle with like Bruce Wayne and Batman. She is Wonder Woman. She very yeah. thinly plays Diana, you know, but like 80% of the time she's Wonder Woman. And to it's be like in she love, really plays Diana if she has to. Right. And so being in love would mean opening up herself completely to somebody. And I don't think she wants to do that. Um, right. Also, 
if you if I want to continue with this headcanon, if she did experience the horrors of World War II, the Vietnam War, etc., she probably doesn't care too much about mankind in general. <laughs> you know, uh, I like she basically fell in love with somebody in the greatest generation. You know, <laughs> so it's like moving on from that. I don't think she uh, cares too much for the for the soul glow uh, era of 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 men she can pick from. Is it greatest generation World War Two? I think it might be World War II. What's the one before that? That generation. The news. I have no idea. Right? I don't know. <laughs> the <laughs> news. That's one way to look at it. The newsies. Um, at work, she bumps into the meek and mild-mannered Barbara Minerva, who was just hired last week, played by Christian Wig. The FBI singles Barbara out to identify the artifacts that were stolen in that mall heist. As she catalogs the items, she comes across a stone she can't identify, but Diana sees the Latin inscription that says, hold it and get one great wish granted. As she holds it, it is presumed she wishes to have her lover, Steve Trevor, back. Uh, although it isn't explicitly said, but there is like a wind that happens, which will then be the right. the telltale sign, right, of of wishes, of the winds of change, at the very least. Yes. Um, her, Good song. <laughs> her and Barbara have lunch and discuss their different lives. And uh, later, the latter is accosted in the street by a drunk man and is saved by Diana, who pretends to have learned her skills in self-defense. What do you <laughs> think about this introduction of Wig as Barbara? And what do you think about the uh, relationship between Barbara and Diana as depicted up until they have lunch? Uh... I thought it, it was sort of interesting in the sense, like, I, I was getting um, some Iron Man 3 vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and, uh, I get that. The self-defense thing kind of reminds <laughs> like, again, the torrid history of those comic books, um, Kung Fu Diana. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, judo Chop Diana. Yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then they have dinner together, and, like, you know, it's it's weird. They start doing this thing where, like, Diana and Minerva are supposed to be striking up some sort of relationship, but it almost feels like Diana has ulterior motives for this connection. Right. I mean, in the very beginning, she doesn't even really want to entertain her, right? Because that she yeah. gets offered the 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 dinner or you know lunch or you know some sort of meetup and doesn't really, you know. Uh... And Diana's like, "This is weird, awkward stranger." Right. Right. She doesn't really indulge in it. And then you, you know what I found was very weird when. When um, Barbara first falls down or, you know, falls with all her papers, she blames it on having heels, saying that, like, you know, scientists don't normally wear them. But then Diana's like, I wear them, which I felt was a weird flex. And I was like, yeah. I was like, why did you do that to that poor girl? She fell. I would have been like, you know, it took me a while to or something, you know, like, you know, something a little bit more. But you're right. It felt and it, it could it could just be an overall standoffishness that Diana has in general. Um. Okay. What sucks is I would really like to see like one more thing hard in that between seventeen two thousand seventeen film and this one. Okay. Um, but you know, headcanon. Headcanon's gonna do what headcanon does. Yeah, at the time I saw it, like I and, and I I maybe remember misremembering it mis uh, misremembering <laughs> it. Right. Or um like have my timeline in trouble, but like I, I almost felt like once Diana connected her to the artifacts. Then suddenly she's interested in spending time with her. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, for for lack of, you know, 
knowledge of what why she has those ulterior motives, I think that Barbara does kind of feel that. You know, at various points, she kind of like rudely responds back, like you don't like what do you what do you care? Like what do you <laughs> like? All of a sudden, you have all this invested interest not only in me but in this stone and in all this other stuff. Um, yeah. So I I do think that that plays. Um, I was a little bit so. I don't know if, if you were on the cast where I was talking about this, but I was saying that initially I believed when I saw the trailer that the story that was going to happen was um, Kristen Wiig, uh, Barbara, was going to be depicted as she was here, you know, kind of meek and mild-mannered. And then Maxwell mm-hmm. Lord would find a way, uh, probably using the stone, to get her to feel more confident and sexy and all that kind of stuff. And, and it would be this story about how, like, men or the expectations of men pit women against each other sure uh, which i think is interesting as hell um because i would over, over, overall even though i'm even though i'm saying like basically the main antagonist would be men i do think it's interesting overall because <laughs> it, at the end of that film i would have wanted both of them to agree even if they weren't going to agree to be friends with each other agree that they didn't need max right um and so yeah pay attention to cheetah in general in this because I do feel like she kind of gets a short shrift. I, I don't think that she's necessarily malicious. Uh, she gets kind of protective at the end and territorial because of how far in life she's gained seemingly in her head. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she wants to own that that evolution, you know? Um, but I felt like she they there was a little bit of a missed opportunity to make her the killmonger-ish of this where she speaks okay. to where she speaks to a generation of women who aren't necessarily drop dead gorgeous so they don't automatically uh you know gain people's respect or gain right. people's kind favor or gain people's you know um admiration or love or attention what about that woman i wanted her to speak and be like you know not for nothing i get why you would give up your wish but look at you and she kind of gets there she gets a little speech in the in the white house about like People like you versus people like me, but I I, I mm-hmm. wanted it I wanted it to be a little a little bit fleshed out more. But again, this film is very long, <laughs> so yeah. it, it had to have been one or the other. It had to have been. So like I want more film, right? It had to have been one or the other. It had to have been extending Cheetah or doing more with uh, Pedro or the third option, which I believe they chose bringing somebody back from the dead. But we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, Feeling helpless in comparison to Diana, Barbara uses the stone to wish to be more like her. And when she awakes, she is suddenly more confident, getting more attention, and has improved balance. I have a mm-hmm. question, GT, and this is not like sarcastic. I genuinely want to know. Um, do you think when she made this wish, the the stone knew Diana was Amazonian? Not I'm assuming it has like like a well, because it was like made by a god, right? I'm just trying to say like because she not only. Because uh, she wants to be more like Diana, but she gets like super speed and super strength. Okay. Which where where would that come from? If not, I, well, I think I think yeah, I think at that point, like, I think it there's a certain um intrinsic, you know, who is this person? Okay, I get it. Yeah, I'm gonna imbue well, you with all of taking... all of the parts of her. Uh. Yeah, at least it's taking, like, who is this woman talking about? Okay, that's who that is, and that's who I'm going to make you. Right, right. Um, and but that, that's sort of a weird thing to explain, because you're asking, like, you're right. sort of asking about the um intrinsic 
mechanical abilities the senti- of the sentience a of the, yeah, the sentience of a rock basically yeah. and whether or not it knows and, and can track down people and stuff like that but the the rock itself the stone the dreamstone is incredibly vague some people are really upset about that others don't seem to mind too much i don't really care too much uh once i realized how vague it was because at first glance it's extremely vague <laughs> we don't even right. know exactly who's behind it until pretty much close to the third act um but you know it's here and it's seemingly granting all these wishes um she is surprised to see famous ceo maxwell lord in her office but he's he asks for her by name for a private tour we see that max is really after what we refer to now as the dreamstone and even though he's able to charm his way past suspicion he doesn't get his hands on it he invites both barbara and diana to a gala he's holding and they accept uh, things are not what they seem at Black Gold, though, as we see Max enter a seemingly elegant but completely empty space, uh, office space. We see him pick up a few past due bills and enter into an argument with Simon Stagg, name drop, a big a big time investor. Didn't expect that. Yeah, right. A big time investor who accuses him of being a con man, something Max violently disputes. According mm-hmm. to Stagg, Max foolishly purchased tons of land hoping that he would discover oil. But he never told anyone that this land was passed up by virtually every oil company because of its lack of oil. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We are also introduced to his son, Alistair, with whom he tries to project himself uh, in the best light. And he is given 48 hours by Stag to turn things around. This is the biggest chunk of and a vulnerable Maxwell Lord that we get up until this point. What do you think about mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal in this role? And what do you think about um, how Patty uh, wrote this character? Uh, I thought Pedro did a great job. Like with you know with everything he's given, I thought he just he he puts his all into everything he did. Uh, yeah. I I like the idea that like there is a uh, a a hint of humanity to Maxwell Lord. Yeah. That you get with his son. Right. Right. And he, the you know? character in many ways in the comics can be seen as irredeemable, uh, especially when you get around OMAC project. Uh, oh, he, get, God. he gets a bit, uh, yeah, all those, uh, yeah, get, the Black King, right? Isn't that what he is? In, uh, uh, Checkmate? Check there was this weird group that he was a part uh, of. I want to say called Checkmate, where they were all chess pieces. And I think he was the Black King. I got to double check. But um, I know Yogi's right now yelling at the at the podcast. But comic books. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, comic books are really weird. Um, I, I like, I really liked when he got mad that they called him a con man, Mm. because I think if you're really a con man, you just try to ease tensions. Someone called you a con man and you go, Hey, no, come on. You know, I got this. Don't even worry about it. But his anger showed that he doesn't want to be viewed that way. Like he doesn't, like he, the idea that him be, of him being a snake oil salesman offends him. He really thinks that he can do something with this company. Uh, yeah, it's he's just not very good at it. I guess he's just not very good at at uh, at this. And um, we see that it's such a contrast in the very beginning, and even when he meets Barbara, he's such a charming, uh, you know, uh, enigmatic figure that just shows up and spouts out catchphrases. But in front of Simon Stagg, it's all but but and uh, uh, and Simon's like, no, this is stupid. You got forty eight hours on pulling the investment, um, right? And I think that contrast serves really well because many times we wonder about these business magnates and can they be on all the time, right? Are they really on in themselves like this all the time? And uh, Max shows that no, you know, he puts this on for the people 
uh, but he really desperately wants this to work. And he desperately wants his son to think that he's doing a good job and in many ways doing an honest job. Um, I, I also imagine it's, a, it's almost the difference between like with people that are almost seemingly on his level, at least in terms of um, a negotiation and what influence you have. Like, I believe he, he thinks he can influence anyone but he can't influence Stag because he knows Stag has the advantage. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. He's playing in the kiddie pool, and he's the smartest. Yeah. He's the smartest kid there, but he's trying to get access to bigger and better. And those people who have been around longer and have been way more successful can see right through all of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, in the rewatch, that's when I realized that 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 whole speech that he's giving in the beginning about life can be good, or life is good, but it can be better. Is a is a, is for investing. <laughs> you understand? Like that. Yeah. He's trying to prom. He's promising people. This is the beginning of this wish fulfillment stuff. He's promising people a better life so long as they help him have a better life, which is a bigger, mm-hmm. which gets bigger and bigger once he, you know, actually becomes the dreamstone himself. Um, this exchange and stuff, which I think might be topical. I'm not old enough. I wonder if um, it was topical to cover like a bit of a pyramid schemey guy in the eighties, you know, like when people were doing all those kind of grifts and, you know, weird businesses and, and shell companies and the Enron of it all. Um, but he fits here and got to make the illusions. People say he might be based on Trump. Now, I don't know. I, I found it weird that they would make him an, uh, a Hispanic. That's one of the other things we find right. out is Maxwell Lord is not his real name. Um, and they chose to make him a Hispanic Maxwell Lord, which is unprecedented in the comics at, at the very least. Uh, it helps Pedro be able to talk how he speaks, <laughs> actually, which got to be <laughs> relaxing. Uh, very much how Gal Gadot speaks with the accent that she has in this film in real life. So that's got to be that's got to be useful. Um, but that definitely helps. But I think that maybe initially they thought they wanted to embody uh, our 45th president but then chose to add some humanity to the character overall. Um, and we'll see where that goes with them. It's, you know, it's one of those things that's interesting because on, on some level it could be like, well, maybe that's what Pedro wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like, it might, it might be cartoonishly Trump, you know, but in many ways, Trump is just cartoonishly business. Right. Yes. So it's not like he invented that. It's not like he invented the, you know, callous, lying, con man businessman. He's just really good at it. He's the one that we remember. It's, it's <laughs> but, the art of the deal. Right. But he, you know, Pedro could be taking off from various different, you know, businessmen who use, you know, shady dealings to get their fortune. Um, like I said, sure. we just know we just know the most famous and that guy became president. And, and he, that hair. Yeah, and that hair. Oh, God, that hair. It would have been funny as hell if during the ending scene with all that wind blowing, it just blew off. <laughs> <laughs> like, revealed the real beautiful lie. You know what I Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Max, don't. <laughs> you lose it all. You lose even more hair. I don't care. All right. <laughs> so, uh, a receipt inside the box of where the Dreamstone was kept says that Lord actually purchased it and was set to receive it on the black market before the robbery. Hence his desire yeah. to get his hands on it now. At the gala, Barbara and um, her newfound confidence and sexiness turn heads, including Lord's, 
who flirts with her enough to get his hands on the stone. Diana hears a stranger call her name and accosts him for it, but when he quotes Steve Trevor, she looks at him and he suddenly changes into Steve Trevor. What do you think about this gala scene? What do you think about Max making out with Kristen Wiig so you can grab this stone? And what do you think about Kristen Wiig's uh, new appearance? Seeming uh, new Kristen Wiig thing was pretty amusing because like she just goes, she suddenly decides to go all out with all sorts of like makeup and and the uh, over the top outfits. Yeah, yeah, and a really tentative tie to like animal print, like a real yeah. thin, thin one that starts to increase that just over keeps time. Growing. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, um, there's a lot of like, and I, and I assume it's, it was just playing with expectations or when that shoe's going to drop, but as they keep doing the thing where they just keep turning and turning yeah, with yeah. when they reveal that it's Chris Pine. Oh. Right, right. Yeah. And when it first happened, I was very confused as to what was going on. Cause I knew those quotes, but that wasn't, it wasn't him. It was just some random guy telling it to diana and i was like this is kind of mean right like this is kind of <laughs> is he like uh you know pranking her like he found out this information and he's just pranking her but no um right. it's seemingly steve trevor in the body of another man um ecstatic to have him back they make out at the gala and go for a stroll outside the washington monument where steve says he remembers taking the plane up uh and then he woke up in this strange man's body and in his apartment and in his clothes uh, they go home together, and Steve, and uh, to clarify, Steve looks in the mirror and sees another man, proving that it's um, only Steve's essence that has returned and not his body. Uh, this doesn't stop the two from making love, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, now that he has the stone, Lord uses it to wish that he could embody the Dreamstone himself, and it disintegrates, effectively turning uh, Max into a walking dream machine. Although, each dream granted has dire consequences. Barbara wakes up with super strength and goes to the gym to test it out, shocked by her newfound powers. I had a problem, with, I, I had a problem with, with, uh, with this, GT. This was, this uh, was what broke I, me. I, 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 was hel- I was very much amused by the ridiculous gym outfits. Yes, yes, yes. But That's this, the 80s, I guess. Diana Go going home with Steve broke me. Okay. I've, seen, I've seen this film enough times that the the residual anger has has kind of edged off. I don't have the same okay. vitriol as before, but I <laughs> put a lot of stake in Diana's what I would say is her intelligence, her uh, instinct, her uh, experience, mm-hmm. and it, it just felt like a reverse of the first film. In the first film, no matter what she's told, all she believes is that there's a god at hand with this somebody right. is twisting the knife you know some some um, imaginary puppeteer is using mankind against mankind it's what she was told by her her mom um and is is adamant about getting to it and steve says no it's, it's just us no we just suck and she starts to believe that but then aries literally pops up and she kills him and everything is saved in this instance knowing about gods of trickery and you know, uh, like guys like Loki and deviance and deception, <laughs> knowing about all of this, she doesn't question once where Steve came from, why this is happening the way it is. She doesn't use the lasso of truth to kind of make sure that it's really him. 
She doesn't yeah. lock him in a closet until she figures out what the hell is going on with all this. What could he do? Yell? Scream? I don't even know if it's you. I, it, it just felt very weird that she just took it on face value that her dead, um, you know, her dead ex-boyfriend is back. And it plays into very much this idea that we spoke about before, the fact that she has not been with anyone since him. But at the point mm-hmm. of the film, it has been 70 years. Like, had this film taken place in the 50s, I think I would have had a little bit more um, leeway for the, you know, the... Sure. I, I, I think they're trying to to tell, like, this... I, I, I guess I don't want to say the story, but, like, I make the point that they're all susceptible to that one particular desire. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone is making this one grand wish. Right. And that's uh, part of, that, I, I agree because that's part of what I'm trying to use to rationalize is just this idea that um, she she wanted it this bad. Like she just wanted yeah. it this bad. You know, and I I don't want to say that she's not allowed to wish or even have crazy wishes or even have, you know, um, selfish wishes because that's another thing that they go on later on. She's like, I kind of get to be selfish, right? Like I do all this without ever asking for anything. I don't, I don't want to give this part back. Like I get to at least have this. Right. And I, I, I feel that selfishness. I totally feel that selfishness. Um, I just wish she would have like investigated it a little bit more. Like she literally ends up in the man's bed hours after she makes out with him in the gala in front of all those people minutes after finding out that it was him it just felt it just felt weird and it felt like they just wanted to get to the diana and steve of it all and 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 from this moment on every time that diana and steve are together i don't see diana and steve i see gal and chris pine okay i see the two actors having a blast because of their personal chemistry Wanting yes. to have fun in the film. You, you you see that you keep seeing that one um scene in the press junket where yes. she bites her lip. A hundred percent. Because everyone's like, oh, their chemistry, their chemistry. And I'm like, yeah, fantastic. You killed them though. He's dead though. <laughs> yeah, you're right. right. Fantastic chemistry, but he's dead though. You know who had fantastic chemistry? Cottonmouth and Luke Cage. Ah. But him dead. We didn't bring him back just to get that back again. We, we his you there was consequences. Um and and now he's a half breed vampire. Exactly, that's what happens. Now that's when you're throwing people off roofs in Harlem. You end up, <laughs> you end up, in, you end up becoming a vampire. Um, yeah. so that was my biggest that that hands down was my biggest issue. This is the longest I'm going to go on on any specific part of this film. Um, and I say all of that again by and and also say that I do think that she deserves to be selfish. I do think she, even at times she deserves to be foolish. But um, that naivety of that first film should be long gone. Um, and in many ways, every, in, in many ways, in other places of the film, it is. Right? She plays the guy who seemingly knows more about the book than her. He's like, you're not even... Right. <laughs> like, here's your mail. That's not even your real name. She plays, she plays uh, Barbara. She plays Maxwell. I don't own a TV, and I'm not going to. You know, she's so thing with everybody, but when Steve comes, like... Maybe I don't think Chris Pine is cute enough. Maybe that's my, maybe that's my, maybe that's my thing. You know. But maybe. I mean, so like, but also to play it, to play it off a little bit, it doesn't help that you know, whether or not they want to, um, uh, whether or not they want to like completely uh, acknowledge that the film happened and existed. Yeah. It 
doesn't help that, like, Steve Trevor is such a trigger for her that Batman is still able to use it years after that. Yeah. In Justice League. But, 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 in a bit of, in a bit of retcon, though, it only makes sense that she went that hard because it literally happened 30 years ago. Sure. Right? <laughs> so now they've now she written in. Again. Yeah, now they've written in retrospectively why she was madder when he said that. <laughs> because it literally just, it wasn't something that happened in World War II. It happened 30 years ago. 30 years ago, yeah. I just let him go again. You know, so it's like, yeah. It, it, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they do it. They bang. And then, uh, I said Maxwell. Okay. Max uses his new powers on Simon Stagg, getting him to wish Black Gold would be a successful company. His consequence is police show up to arrest him for tax evasion. Um, so, I, I, I feel like I missed this part almost. I just remember it getting, like, imbued. Did he wish to be the stone? Yes, yes. He grabbed the stone and said, I wish to be you, <laughs> literally, to be the dream stone. And then it all, it started to shake, and then everything went to dust, and then all the wind blew. Because later on, when Diana goes to his office, all that dust is still around. Like, like all that disintegrated stone is still all yes. over the table. And she's like, oh, what's all this dust doing here? Um, but yeah, he grabs Simon Stagg, gets Simon Stagg to wish uh, that Black Gold is a successful company. But the consequence is that the police show up to arrest him for tax evasion. Um, and Max is delighted. From here on, I think power drunk Maxwell Lord is hilarious. I think he's great. <laughs> I think Pedro does a great job. Later on, I call him Coke Sweat Maxwell Lord, where he just has this <laughs> flop sweat and his hair is just so a mess. Yeah, his hair is a mess. He's like has a bloodshot eye and he's just going crazy. I need more wishes. Somebody, please. Uh, anybody got any more of those wishes? <laughs> so Steve and Diana have a dressing montage anything you want to say about that because again I'm going to lightly glance over that stuff I don't feel like it has as much importance as sure maybe the I thought it was thought. cute I, just, just for like the you know uh, who's the fish out of water now yeah I liked his insistence on a fanny pack that's what right. I liked I liked that he wanted to add that to every outfit <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny I liked his insistence on looking like uh, Tony Montana, and she's just like, no. Yeah, she's like, no. And then tries to get him to wear something, and he's like, no. And later on, that comes back, which is pretty funny. Uh-huh. Um, in their complete and utter urgency to find this stone and find answers, she takes him on a tour to D.C. That includes <laughs> seeing a modern subway, art installations, and space shuttles. So that was fun. That was fantastic. <laughs> Anyway, again, I, I, I thought that whole idea of like, oh, like, uh, like, that's totally shows Steve Trevor the, you know, the, the progression of flight technology. Like, that's really cute. Right. Probably didn't belong here. Not right here. I, it just weird. Like, I totally think you can do this movie. I do think mm-hmm. you can do a movie where where Steve's now the fish out of water and she t- teaches him everything. And, you know, they have like that meet cute. I felt like the two things that this film were, were missing desperately that I realized are in almost all the films that I really, really like are urgency. I feel uh-huh. like there's like no urgency in this. Like people just do what they want to when they want to and consequences. You know, I, I feel like this doesn't have many consequences. I think I was probably a little bit too close to Wonder Woman 2017 being a soldier 
and and, okay. the, and the constant hammering of it's not clean, it's not black and white, uh, that the yes. world is, is a bit more complicated than that. Um, and that humanity in, as a whole is more complicated than that. And so in loving us for our uh, the good stuff, you have to love us for our flaws, all that kind of stuff. But the consequences of Steve Trevor dying, all the consequences of war that she walked past, seeing people with blown off limbs and stuff, um, that I really dug that part of the movie. And I don't know if I necessarily was supposed to, you know, because <laughs> I don't know if they necessarily wanted to, you know, hang a hang a lamp on that. Um, back at Black Gold, Max is shocked to hear that investors are calling, all wanting to invest. He instantly uses his powers to hire more workers for his company and starts to show pain after doing so. Barbara seems to be most the most popular person at work as she holds court, telling stories and jokes when Diana and Steve show up asking where the stone went. Upon hearing Max has it, she gets on Barbara's case and takes off uh, to the Black Gold building. I was like, uh-huh. you're being a bit much, Diana. You know, if you <laughs> wanted to make sure the stone was secure, you should have not been banging Steve Trevor because that's what you were doing while the stone was taken. Right. So that, that then twist that knife of, of the issue I had with the film because now this moment here is the Kung Lung has been overtaken moment. And it's like... <laughs> you had one well, job. Right. You literally, like, you turned your eye... That was you. You turned and looked away to do something else yeah. selfishly. And now we're in this situation. Don't yell at nobody else. Don't be yelling at Barbara. She's chilling right now. Um, when she dropped her stuff in the beginning, mm-hmm. people walked past her. She called out their names and everything for help, and they walked past her. And now they're yeah. hanging on her every word. Like, let yes. her live. Let my girl live. Let her, let her live her life. Um, To make a point, though... uh. Not a point, but like a point that came to me when you were talking about the uh, like the place she was at in Wonder Woman twenty seventeen and the place she's in now in, in um Wonder Woman eighty four, which mm-hmm. are uh things that are weird to say. Confusing time, yeah. Because now I call that movie that I call that movie that for the most part. So for like Google searches and all that stuff, right. so I, nothing comes up but that film Wonder Woman twenty seventeen. But it's actually not Wonder Woman twenty seventeen. Be Wonder Woman nineteen eighteen or something, right? Sure. And all I can imagine is like a series of films that's kind of like Spider-Man life story. Right, right. In every decade and seeing how she did Wonder and how Woman she handled it. Wonder Woman 34. Wonder Woman 27. <laughs> but, to, but to be honest, I that's why I, I really scratched my head about the 84 of it all. Like why in 84? Mm-hmm. In doing some research, like I was like, why didn't she like like doing a Wonder Woman film that jumps over the women's suffrage movement seems weird. Sure. Like the biggest moment of, of female independence in this country, the country she's inhabiting felt weird. Her not bumping into any of the decades of discrimination against women feels weird. And so the only thing that I can internalize is she didn't feel any of it because she's strong and powerful, which then to me would give Kristen a bigger axe to grind because she actually did deal with all that. Or had right. parents that dealt with that or a grandmother who couldn't vote or wasn't allowed to like sit in certain, you know, certain places or whatever. Um, and I feel like yada yada through that is, dare I say, irresponsible. Sure. You know, great power, great responsibility, right? No, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I, I, I took it as sort of like, it's supposed to be like the peak of American decadence. Right, right. And, and that's one of the things that is, that is here that I guess maybe if you don't live, if you haven't lived in it, you don't feel as deeply is that apparently in that era, we as Americans were incredibly greedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this this idea that Max speaks about with later, where like you can always have more, 
people were always getting more and more. But we're also willing to spend big because it's yeah. a big fashion yeah. um, period. Big fashion period, department stores, you know, opening mm-hmm. up credit, getting bigger and bigger, you know, electronic transfers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, big business, really, really ramping, like the commercialization of big business and all that kind of stuff, really ramping up in the 80s. Um, but it just felt weird to take on that mountain, which again, could have been the third film, right? So long as you were going uh, sequentially in time. Um, sure. It felt weird to jump over like the women part of it all. Like even Black Panther was like, you know, they brought back like, oh, you were just hiding during all the parts where we were getting, you know, where shit was not cool for us. <laughs> Which is what I guess, which is where the comparison to Killmonger comes to mind. Like, I feel like Christian would have been like, uh, hello, you know, no one even looks at me. No one even helped me until I was pretty. Now I'm pretty. Right. You want me to give it up for what? But, right. you know. Uh, so, Max is gone and so is the stone by Diana reads a hidden inscription that states that, uh, that has the language of the gods written on it. It doesn't even state anything. She doesn't know what it says. She just knows it's the language of the gods. Um, mm-hmm. Or... She's digmatized and all of a sudden can't remember the language of the gods or what it says because she calls uh, Barbara and says, uh, find out where it's from. Sure, but like this is kind of like the first time that she has urgency. Yes, yeah, yeah. Looking through the trash, Steve, uh, Steve finds something and they determine that he's going to Cairo. Max is going to Cairo. To... So they steal a jet. They steal a military aircraft, um, which Diana makes invisible with her powers and they head over there in the air. Steve tells her how it feels to fly, and they share a romantic moment under some fireworks. It's the it's the introduction of the invisible jet, GT. How do you feel? Uh, that was cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people wondered if that jet scene from the trailer was going to be the invisible jet. Um, and we you know confirmation. I I heard that she was on a British talk show. And the host was like, I hear the invisible jets in this film. And she's like, uh, you just spoiled the big ass part of this movie. <laughs> like at first she tried to deny it, but then she was like, yeah, yeah. You just like ruined that whole surprise or whatever. <laughs> big, uh, big moment. I'm again, because, because of my issues early on, I'm wondering why she's allowing this man to steal a plane. This would be the perfect time if it was a God of Deception. To crash into the ocean and, <laughs> and right. effectively end Wonder Woman. Uh, but love. So, uh, <laughs> love. Lord goes to Cairo and meets with the richest oil tycoon there uh, and grants him his wish of keeping his people safe, which causes a wall to appear from thin air and surround his city. Uh, he wanted his oil, but the guy already sold all his oil. So, in exchange, he takes his security detail which is a bunch of men, like some really powerful vehicles, some tanks and stuff, and he heads out. As he does, he passes Diana and Steve in a car, heading, uh, leading to a high-speed chase in which Wonder Woman tries uh, tackling the might of Max's new security by herself. During the fray, she takes a bullet and is surprised to see any damage, showing uh, that something is seriously wrong. She uses a truck to block firepower, but when the battle becomes too much, Steve helps save the day. Diana takes her eyes off the Lord when she sees children in danger of being overrun by the caravan and chooses to save them instead of pursue Max. What do you think about this cool action scene, this Egypt action scene? It was a fun one. Um, uh, chasing. There was something <laughs> you said there that like got. Oh, yeah. 
if if there was anything that you really wanted to tie the allegory into the Trump stuff with you, it was building a wall. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> out of out of thin out. air. Out of thin air. Yeah. <laughs> Just building. I mean, he got it done faster than the other guy did. Look at uh, that. Look at that. Wow. So uh, I, <laughs> now <laughs> you know somewhere in Miralago, <laughs> somewhere. He's like, Melania, I saw the greatest film. I need to find the stone. <laughs> it's the answer to everything we've ever wanted. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, wow. Yeah. See, I didn't that's, even have to pay for it. Uh, it's the greatest. You just take it from a Latin country. They don't even ask any questions. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, I liked that. I liked... um. I, like I, I was shocked when she took the bullet. When she took the bullet, she shows that blood. I literally was like, "Oh, like I, I I'm invested in the character. I'm invested in okay. Diana. I'm invested in Gal Gadot as uh, you know, Diana. So seeing her in pain was not fun for me. Um, yeah. And it, it was also cool to have again some sort of kind of stakes. And this is the beginning of us realizing that uh, something's going on with her powers because when she saves those kids, she's unable to keep her grip on the lasso of truth, and she falls down. Um, yes. And so, yeah, that's the beginning beginning of a lot of that stuff. Um, it was comical to see Steve Trevor in jeans and a t shirt kicking a tank, like kicking kicking <laughs> kicking the turret of a tank, and and just fight just fighting tanks. Well, you know, just as is. I guess he figured he died once. What the hell, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what does it matter? Um, but I thought that was funny as hell. Uh, later, Diana, Barbara, and Steve meet with someone who knows about the book about the uh, stone. And deciphers that the Duke of Deception empowered the stone, but each wish has a price. Steve equates it to the story of the monkey's paw. In the story, three wishes are granted to the owner of the monkey's paw, but the wishes come with an enormous price for interfering with fate. And Steve figures that Diana got him back in exchange for her powers. Mm -hmm. They decide that everyone needs to renounce their wish, but Barbara outright refuses. I thought that was hilarious. As they're having this conversation, Barbara's like, so what? <laughs> and like, uh, yeah, so and? <laughs> and they're like, but we, we need to return this. She's like, I'm not, no. Like, and uh, they literally look up and she's gone at one point. Like, they, they decide that they're going to they're gonna renounce their wishes. They look up and she's gone. And I like thought a that was And not only that, but she was like also like, Dressed new, new makeup, like new hair. Like it obviously made some major changes in her life. <laughs> and yeah, she's it, there. it just keeps getting more and more like over the top. and Right. So it's like to see her now and just stand there and act like nothing's wrong. Like nothing, <laughs> nothing's changed. She's like, I don't get, I don't get you, your beef. It sounds like a dream stone to me. That's what she says. Because they're like, oh, it's a curse. <laughs> it's a curse. It's, it's, it's evil. It's an evil stone. She's like, I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. Which I thought was funny. Um, Max is seemingly mad with power and it's hungry for even more even though it's causing him to grow ill he meets with his son who uses his wish to wish for his dad to be great I did not catch that on the first uh, go around because mm. um, his dad says wouldn't you want me to be great don't you know my greatness leads to your greatness Right, and so he touches his dad and says I want you to be great which I'm believing is great in the great man kind of way of uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Erskine um, yes. which would then make it more believable as to how Max is able to redeem himself towards the end. Certainly. Uh, Steve tries to convince Diana to let him go, uh, but she also refuses, but tells him a story of Asteria, an Amazon Amazonian warrior 
whose armor she is now in possession of after she searched for it. Max takes powers takes his powers to the White House, granting the president his wish for more nukes. But in return, Max becomes lawfully untouchable like a sovereign nation. He yeah, he's like no taxes, no nothing. He didn't want anything. He's like, I, I don't want once I do this for you, I don't want to be taxed. I don't want your cops coming after me. I don't want to be impeded on anything that I'm doing. I was like, eh, pretty pretty smooth deal. Oh yeah. Um he also discovers, Max does, that there's a massive satellite array that will allow him to broadcast uninterrupted to the entire world, meaning he can grant everyone's wishes in exchange for more power. Uh quite um convenient for them to be doing that PowerPoint presentation when he walked in <laughs> with the satellite. Quite convenient. <laughs> oh, what's this thing that what you guys that? are doing? <laughs> what is this thing that you guys are doing? Huh. All right. Steve and Diana pretend to want a White House tour, but use it to get close to Max. Uh, Diana uses the lasso of truth to take down security and corner Max, but Barbara and her new powers of strength and agility turn up, defending him, not wanting to give up what the stone gave her. They do battle, but Diana is severely underpowered, and Barbara is able to take her down uh, before escaping with Max en route to the satellite location. On his jet, Barbara makes one more wish, to be an apex predator. I like when uh, Diana used the lasso of truth, like a like to make wind, I guess, like to turn around in circles. <laughs> and Cheetah just like spun. It reminded it. me of the Aquaman move. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, Cheetah just like does like this spinning, whirling dervish and goes right through it. And I was like, yep. oh wow, that's pretty. That's pretty damn cool. It was the beginning of realizing that Cheetah was going to be something to, to... Oh, I keep saying Cheetah. She's not Cheetah. Barbara is going to be something, uh, you know... Something to reckon to, with. To reckon with. The reason... There's, there's always, like... There's, this movie has a lot of fun just, like, sprinkling in this cool action scene every once in a while. Yes. Yeah. And like, like I said, I, I think, think if you it, really... if you really love, weird. Okay, cool action scene. <laughs> I think if you really love the Steve and Diana of it all, then it all melts together because you're you're liking this ro- romance story and then you get your little yeah. flickers of actual Wonder Woman and um and action. And yes. I, that's the thing. Because I wasn't into the romance part, I'm only looking towards the action and those felt that felt a bit short. But I wouldn't say that I don't like this film because there's a lack of action. I wouldn't say that. I uh, I think the action scenes in it serve purpose. Um, and I I wish some of the things that we are inferring about this film were just outright stated, like that that Diana much rather not kill people than kill people. That Diana right. is taking a softer approach because of things that she's seen, but we don't necessarily know that. I feel like there's a lot of in, in informing, which brings us to like BVS's Batman, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you just better figure like... it out. Just figure it out based on his attitude that that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not too much of a fan of that because I feel like they informed a lot about that about Diana in that first film. And... I mean, I always feel like there's this like people want to equate it to handholding, but I feel like if I have to determine what went on to like explain this sort of decision making or rationalization, then it's not really there. I agree. I agree. Um, and yeah, it's not hand-holding. It's fleshing out a character. You do you, you do so many scenes of like actual people flashing back just to be like, hey, remember this? You know? And that's not hand-holding yeah. either. It's like we're trying to make an obvious point to connect these things. 
Um, yeah, so it's like no matter like, like no, no matter what conclusion you draw based on whatever like outside or inference you use, it can make all sorts of sense. But because it's not in the text, it's just uh, speculation. Right. Right. Um, what did you think about Max's plan? Seemingly, he's dying. Right. <laughs> these, these things are killing him, man. <laughs> these wishes are killing him. But his idea is that. So long as people keep wishing, he can just obtain the the organs that he needs. Oh, jeez! That's exactly what he says. I'll, I'll just get new organs. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a uh, that's self destructive. Yeah, he's just, he's just drunk with power. He's just absolutely, uh, into- literally intoxicated. His speech, his his visage, like how he looks, all of it. Yeah, is is he? Looks- there's, there's that great moment where it's, it's it's a pretty great moment where he's just sort of like leaning over his seat in the plane, just like telling <laughs> Barbara to think bigger. <laughs> he's like magically hung over. <laughs> yeah. There's another scene where he grabs the guy and he's like, oh, did I give you a wish already? Like, he's like, damn it, I can't get anything out of this one. I don't remember who you are. <laughs> yeah, he's like, damn it, I can't get anything out of this one. I was like, well, man, he's fiending. My, my boy Max is a dream fiend. There yeah. we go. He's a dream fiend. We got a dream you fiend mean? and we got Thirsty Diana. So we got everybody. Uh, uh, we got everybody we need. That's your next Freddy Krueger film. I'm telling you. I got to get Michael Jackson on that. Uh, the, yeah, re- the result of all Max's wishy, uh, wish granting has led to chaos in the streets as the consequences of every wish unfolds. Diana is eventually convinced by Steve to finally let him go. And she does so begrudgingly in a heartfelt scene. Um, and Steve Trevor is gone once again. Would you like to elaborate on this scene? Because I think you might have gotten more out of it than I did. Um, yeah, you know, it's a lot like the first scene, but like now, uh, Wonder Woman has a lot more agency in the decision. Yeah, and that's nice. And then they start playing the theme from, (laughs) and my ears are going. I know this, but this is wrong. Well, before before we get to BVS, we get to Sunshine, because yeah. because uh, I remember that honestly. Yeah, so there <laughs> there's a fairly it, it honestly if I if I'm not mistaken, it's the first piece of modern score I ever identified. Um, when I got into like all this like movies and scores and all that kind of stuff, it's a very okay. uplifting song from the movie Sunshine. I think it's called uh, I can't even remember, but um. As it's playing in this film, then it plays around this scene. Devastated, she uses her lasso to get as far away as she can in anger and ends up uh, in the air above the clouds. Remembering her time with Steve in the air, she uses his advice about flying to control herself and actually fly. With her newfound Uh ability, she sets her sights back on stopping Max once and for all. Um, And while she's in the air, this song plays. That song that I was talking about was Sunshine. And it's the first piece of music that is in Hans Zimmer. It's interesting. It's, it's from another film. <laughs> People know it from another film. It's very odd. They, and they played it in this one. And I, I'm pretty sure it's been played in other ones as well. But it just feels weird. It's like a Terminator song popping up. And you're like, wait, I, I know that. <laughs> um, but we got another scene of flight. Greg, you are the subject matter expert when it comes to DC flight scenes. DC, <laughs> I'm learning how to fly scenes. What grade does this get? Uh, like uh, I give it a three out of five. Three out of five. Yeah, yeah it's it's, it's cute. I I I 
I find myself like sort of interested in the sense that like it's always interesting whether or not Wonder Woman can fly. Right. Because every version of her is different on that. Right. Um, and, and you know what's weird about that? Like what you were just saying, they very rarely show her taking off. Whenever yeah. you see Wonder Woman flying, she's either already flying or she's coming down. We right. never really see her take off, which is which is why I think a lot of people in their minds can't connect the fact that she can fly. Yeah, and and then there's there's like the two weird moments where it's like it's implied, but it's never explicitly shown because at the end of Wonder Woman, when they go back to the future, she like she jumps off that spot and, it looks <laughs> and if like she she's can't flying. fly, she'll die, right? If she if she can't fly, then she'll probably die from that fall. <laughs> right, and then and and there's even the end of the scene with Zeus. I mean, that's with, with, with Ares, yeah. where she's sort of like, she, you know, she makes that vertical, and then she sort of stays up there. Yep. She at least floats. So it's like, it's heavily implied throughout the entire thing, but this is the, this is the first explicitly, like, she is flying through the air. Right. Right. Um, my only beef with it goes back to my beef with Steve. I honestly feel like that character didn't need to be in this film, and it kind of sort of okay. backtracks Diana. Diana's journey uh, right. moving forward um, because I believe she moved forward in earnest for 70 years but in, in all honesty she moved forward in regret for losing her love for 70 years the ability to fly incredible and incredibly useful probably would have yes. been incredibly useful in BVS but the ability to fly I probably could have dealt with a better score like <laughs> Superman that's the, no yeah 100% I mean if you're gonna throw in beautiful lie you could have threw flight in here bro you understand? <laughs> you could have slipped that in here. I don't think anybody would have complained. It's going to be on YouTube eventually. Oh, totally. Um, but then, like, yeah, she learns to fly because of Steve. You know? Mm-hmm. She does She does renounce her wish, but Steve tells her to do so. So I'm like, yeah. so I'm like Steve, Steve's got a lot to do in this. I want, you know, I kind of want a little bit more um, agency from Wonder Woman, which goes back to the whole urgency. Thing. Steve Trevor is a massive influence on uh, Diana's life. Yes, in both films. Right, and I guess you know what you know what. Seemingly my... in all three films, if you count the fact that Steve Trevor is her trigger in BVS. Right, and you know what? I can even equate it to something that people might get, might have a little bit more familiarity with. There are some people that hate, hate the amount of Tony Stark that is in Spider Man. Sure, they're like he has nothing to do with that, or if he does, it's a small part. And the rest of it should be Peter on his own, his own ingenuity, his own, you know, agency and all that kind of stuff. And I right. don't I don't really see that. But I, I know people who hate what do they call him? Iron Man Jr., right? Who yes. hate his involvement. And while Steve Trevor does have um, way more involvement in Wonder Woman lore and Wonder Woman canon in general, like the whole new 52 pushed him to the side. <laughs> she was banging oh, Superman, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Banging Superman. Right. So she, you and know. He's barely in that book. Right, right. So like um yeah I thought I I was a bit saddened but I like the fact that um Diana has learned a new skill and we will see what that takes her at the very least it took her back home because she did a wardrobe change um <laughs> definitely <laughs> the unseen wardrobe the change unseen wardrobe change uh so my girlfriend is actually shaking her head in absolute <laughs> just you know why? Because she's a girl and she knows how hard it is to get dressed. She knows how hard it is to get ready and get ready for a fancy oh, occasion. No. You know? She's like, she took 30 whole minutes to put that on. Right, you know? And do her hair. Her hair, had to fit, her hair had to fit in that helmet. 
You know, it's a whole thing. Um, Mac, the big out the wings. Yes, that's hard. And get out, getting out of that apartment with those wings, that can't be easy. <laughs> this at least took forty five minutes. I did not want to share an elevator with that woman. You know, in that armor. Oh. You know, that's not not comfortable at all. Um, Mac is kind of. <laughs> Max gets to Fox News, I mean the uh, broadcasting station, ah! and demands they broadcast him on every channel over the world, uh, all over the world. As they do, he tells everyone on the globe to make their own wish for a better life, and they do so to horrifying results. Diana shows up outside the station in Astera's golden armor and takes down the guards before she is stopped by Barbara, who has fully transformed into a cheetah-like humanoid. As the yes. result of her wish. With her feline abilities, she takes the fight to Diana, Diana damaging her armor. That was pretty badass, honestly. Does this technically mean that this is a cat fight? Yes, in all intents and purposes. It's a cat fight. <laughs> and, and we don't even know if Cheetah wanted to attack Wonder Woman. Cats nefariously hate birds. So he, she should have right. just saw, maybe she just saw the bird and was like, <laughs> to her natural yeah, I got to ca- catch it. I got to catch it. Look at it trying to close its wings. <laughs> um, she, I really like this scene. I really like the ferocity that they gave Cheetah. Like she's yeah. going through that armor. She's chipping whole pallets yeah, it, it off of it. quickly made that whole wing gimmick useless. Yes. Yes. Which I guess, yeah, it did. <laughs> like, I like that they gave, they gave Cheetah a little bit more, but yeah. Watching it a second time, I'm like, oh, she really did, like, she took down a couple people and did, like, a cool pose. But after that, yeah. you know, they, they, she, her wings got destroyed, and then she was just in the armor fighting, you know, as is. Um, yeah. Which, we're, like, we're, we're knocking it, we're having a little bit of fun with it, but, like, the golden armor looks amazing. It does. It does. And we have reviewed Kingdom Come on this podcast before, and that's where that armor comes from. That's where it's there. Yeah, that, that, uh, that's, that's where the, that armor originates, and... Um, that, it's one of the first things. <laughs> it's one of the first things we saw in relation to this film. Was this? Yeah, was this. that's all the posters. Right now, in all honesty, I think that part of the reason people are are getting mad about the action is that's another thing. Most of the action scenes were shown in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every action scene was shown in the trailer. Not the whole scene, but we saw her in the White House with the lasso. We saw her in the mall with the lasso. We saw her in Egypt with the cars and flipping, jumping out of that car, and while it flips, or whatever. And then we saw the cheetah fight in the last trailer. So it's like I, I get, I, I get people's beef. Almost, a bit. I think you could almost accuse every film of that, though. But I mean, we've all, we've talked many times on this cast about DC particularly doing this, or at least one of others, right? Um, I'm reminded of, I'm reminded of like the most recent Star Wars movie where like all the action scenes have at least one moment in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, her running away from the Tie Fighter, her uh, the them lightsaber fight on the ruins of the Death Star. Right. Yeah. Like it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they got They got to hold back a little bit. Come on, we gonna we we know we're gonna watch this. Just hold back just a little bit. Listen, and I've said this before. Like people complain about like, oh man, they give too much away in trailers now. It's like no. You need to go back and watch some seventies trailers that Louis just told you what the movie was. <laughs> right. I showed you like the ending, the villain, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. There used to be a man that literally explained the plot of the film as you saw images. I always hearken back to that first Batman trailer. It is garbage. It is oh, I so haven't bad. Seen it. it doesn't even have music. 
It's just a, a myriad of shots stitched together with the sound effects from those shots and somebody talking over it. It's really, really uh, bad. It's really bad. I, I will I will send it to you just so you can see how bad it is. Uh, all right. So uh, with her feline abilities, she's able to take the fight to Diana, damaging her armor, but Diana turns the tide, throwing Cheetah around, and they both end up in the water with an electrical cable dangerously close to electrocuting them both. She begs for Barbara to denounce her wish, but Barbara refuses. So Diana allow. Am I getting this right? Diana allows the cable to electrocute her. <laughs> uh, she apologizes, knowing <laughs> knowing that this is what's going to happen, right? And then she like dunks, dunks her, her under. in the, under the water. <laughs> so I'm like, and then the mu- and then like the sound goes out, like the music goes out. Yeah. So I'm like, oh. They just killed the hell out of Cheetah. She just died. And and in yeah. and, and cats cats hate water. Like this is all adding up. This is all this is all <laughs> ridiculous. Um but Did it, you have a problem with this? What that she didn't die? That she well well that she at least seemingly did like murder her. So this is the thing. I didn't have a problem with this, but it almost okay. stands to question why this Diana wasn't in the rest of the film. Because this Diana okay. is being pragmatic. She's realizing that she yeah. has given a choice and there there's seemingly no other choice but violence in this moment. And I guess right. there's a little bit of solace in the fact that she's not the one throwing the electric like throwing the thing in. You know, yeah. maybe there's a little bit of forgiveness in her own heart of it like always, it was always interesting to me that out of most of the heroes, like especially when when you have to when you figure the fact that a, as a part of the quote unquote Trinity, standing next to Superman and Batman, like Diana's always the one who is, like, it's the last decision, but she is prepared to make that call. Yeah, hundred percent. Because she's seen, she's seen the um, the negative effects of inaction, the consequences yeah. that come from not acting. For death for, is very much an option to Diana, unlike the other two. Right, right. Um, which is why, but I don't know if death was necessarily an option for Linda Carter's Wonder Woman. Absolutely not. And so that's where that's where I'm in this like middle ground where I was educated. In the, yeah, I saw the 2017 film and I saw how black and white she was to war, good and bad, mankind, all that kind of stuff. She stabbed without even being sure and to the point that she wasn't even right. She stabbed Ludendorff right through the yeah. chest with a sword. The whole time going, I am Diana, Princess of the Mascara, and I, you know, like reading him his rights, <laughs> his Miranda rights. And, and you killed my father, prepare to die. 100%. <laughs> and she thinks he's Ares. She stabs him through the chest. He's not Ares. He's just a bad guy. And and again, I guess you can infer that the though all of that has led her to a point of pacifism. But I would have loved, I would have loved for someone to say like, just kill him. And she goes, you don't know how easy that is, you know. I've I've yeah. if I really know how many men I've killed, you know. And I, I you know I can't anymore. I can't. Um, no, it I, was no a one, bad time. No one should be able to take life because I've seen life be taken before. Something, something yeah. like that. But they save all the monologue for the end. So, <laughs> so let's get there. Um, yeah, yeah. She pulls Barbara out of the water and sets her sights on Max, entering the broadcast area and destroying his main camera. This has no effect as Max is at the height of his powers, so much so that Diana can't even get near him. He stands in the path of the beam of particles from the satellite, taking all the wishes of the world within him and granting them as Diana asks, I know, and asks Diana to join him, but Diana gives him one more plea for decency. 
She says that even though she wants Steve back more than anything, the price to do uh, so is not one she's willing to pay. She says you can't have it all and that you can only have the truth. She begs for the wish to be renounced. Uh, yeah, she begs for those to renounce their wishes. And Max says, why would he? To which she says she wasn't talking to him. And we see the lasso of truth around his leg. Seemingly using the lasso as a conduit, Diana broadcasts her plea of decency to the world and convinces them to all renounce their wishes, as well as Max, uh, who we see had a pretty rough childhood, uh, leading to his need for love and acceptance now as a man. What do you think about this quick, this moment, this this beautiful live speech where they play the music from BBS? <laughs> Uh, and she does, she does, uh, the speech. It's, it's, it's not the myriad speech, you know, I put the no. myriad speech slightly above. It's very similar though. I don't know if they've ever seen Supergirl, <laughs> but it's, it's very similar to the speech that, uh, Supergirl gives in the last episode of season one, um, where or she's the, talking um, about myriad. Well, or what speech? Uh, or, or Steve, uh, right? With the, with the Hydra. Oh, the dark speech. Uh, is that it? Where he's where he's talking about like I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Arrow and Damian Dar. Oh yeah, oh no, that 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 too. Where he gets on top of the van and he starts giving a speech to the city. He's like, "This is our shitty city, and if anyone's gonna mess it up, it's gonna be us." But yes, there's also the Hydra speech. Yeah, yeah, the Hydra speech are like you know the price of freedom is high, right? But it's something yeah. I wanted to pay, all that kind of stuff. I think I truly believe that it's born of of some of that stuff there. Um, but um, did, did you buy it? Did you did you did it move you? I thought it did. Like I I I told by this point I'm I understand that this is like, you know, like the truth and love Wonder Woman and like it, that's even sort of the end of like even though it ends with a giant freaking lightning strike that is kind of the end of um the first movie. Yeah, yeah. And even if you have trouble like connecting it to who that character was. The movie is definitely trying to push this idea of like truth and love throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Yes. You know, and that, and that, uh, uh, greatness isn't what most people perceive it to be. What do you think about Max's backstory? That was interesting to add in at the last moment. It was interesting to add in the bedwetting aspect of it in the last moment. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. Like it could have just been anything. He could have left the fridge open, you know? Or he could have been anything, but he was he got yelled well, at for like, being a bedwetter. I I, I got it because like the like they add that there's one thing from his childhood, and then bedwetting is kind of a reaction to trauma. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. And then the idea that you would be you would gain more trauma for your reaction to trauma is just as yeah. the cycle of hell. Uh, that and you get in. shamed, and you would get shamed for that as well. Right. And he's also being shamed at school for not having like the nicest shoes and stuff like that, yeah. which causes him to almost violently you know claw his way up to the top as far as he can and then i guess he did enough research on this stone um to to realize that this was going to be the thing that set him over um, yeah and it also is a level of redemption like i said again we, we see him you know that he could have just been this mustache twirling villain and in this scene he kind of is he's just screaming mm -hmm. right <laughs> he's just like yeah why well, i just want him more why can't he I is just, he is at the height of indulgent villainy. Yeah, he's like the winds blow, and he's like, uh, "Why would I stop? I'm finally on top. Like I'm finally, it's finally me with all the power." Top of the world, hundred percent. Um, but uh, we uh, Diana's able to show Max visions 
like I said, first of his childhood that we just spoke about, and then of his young son, Alistair, wandering the streets, terrified, crying for his father, amid all the chaos that Max created. A tearful Max renounces his wish and rushes to find Alistair. Reunite, reunited, Max repentantly promises to be a better father. Sometime later, Diana meets the man whose body Steve possessed. <laughs> Sorry, I never thought I'd be reading that sentence out loud. <laughs> Uh, while she continues to watch over the world. Uh, they have like a little meat cute. Um, <laughs> she is gorgeous. Gal Gadot is gorgeous. At this point, I'm like, look yes. at her. Look at that smile. Look at, look at that little pink nose. Very, <laughs> very, very gorgeous woman. Uh, but that man has no idea that you slept with him. And I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> but you're going to have to figure that out that on your own time. That man did not consent. No, no. Uh-uh. Uh, and he needs to. This is interesting in a, in a realm because, like that, that the, it it brings up a lot of different existential questions about existence and whatnot. So it's like, uh, Steve Trevor still sees that man, but Diana still sees Chris. So right. what do other people see? I'm assuming everybody else sees that man, which then brings into that thing. Like, luckily, I'm assuming, uh, luckily, Diana every single where she went with Steve broke the cameras because if she didn't. This man would be wanted, right? Like he he was right. at the White House. <laughs> uh, he was in he was in Egypt, uh, fighting caravans. Uh, Certainly, they've seen they've seen this man. So I would love for like a post credit where he gets arrested for a bunch of crimes he didn't commit and goes, I don't know what happened. I, I was asleep for three days, and all of a sudden, you know, they have me on all these charges. It doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, but that happens there. Um, meanwhile, a woman saves a baby carriage from a collapsing pole in the post credit and is revealed that Asteria is still alive, secretly living among uh, humans, much like Diana. Asteria being played by the wonderful and gracious Linda Carter. And that's Cute Wonder Woman 84. That's Wonder Woman 84. I'm surprised um, it didn't happen the first time. <laughs> no, to be honest, yeah. I was actually thinking about that when I watched it last week. I was like, I, they really had some restraint not putting... Um, Linda Carter in this film. Yeah. Uh, now that we've ended the thing, the last bit of an issue I have with this uh, film is, like I said, I just want to elaborate now that we're done with the um, review, um, recap, is that I, I feel like this film severely lacks consequences. I mm. understand not wanting to have this film to have massive consequences given the year that we've had, right? Yeah. Um, but seemingly the this film was going to come out last December. So I don't think that that's why that happened unless there was massive reshoots and massive rewrites in route to this new date. Certainly. Um, so yeah, like I, so yeah, like Maxwell Lord was broadcast all over the world. Every single face saw him. Um, and he seemingly <laughs> got away scot-free. I don't know if he goes back to work. I don't know what any of that, what, what becomes of that seemed that seemed like a bit much to get away with. Cheetah's seemingly fine. Still. She attacked a bunch of people in the white house. They stole a helicopter. Yeah. Um, but she's seemingly fine. So, you know, like those things I had uh, a bit of an issue with the lack of consequences because I felt like one of the things that DC has been kind of good with is the fact that there are consequences, serious consequences, uh, for some of the things that happen to the point that even as a consequence of saving the world, Superman, uh, gets on Batman shit list, you know? Mm -hmm. So like things, things lead up and things link up, but Hopefully this means that we get a return of Maxwell Lord uh, or a return. You know, Max is, I, I believe he was a member of the Justice League at one point or at least helped him out. So That'd I think, be interesting. I do think that there's a part of him that does turn, you know, is, is a positive uh, influence. And then 
I would love to see Barbara um, be like hell bent on trying to get this again. End up in some jungle. We get the OG origin, you know, where she's willing to do <laughs> anything. Kataga. Yeah, she's willing to do anything to get to be like that again, and it gets even further. Um, yeah, maybe she's stuck that way, and then and you know, then we have all that. But I, th- I think Wig did a great job. Um, I yeah, that that's <laughs> that's all my bag on it. Um, I have two reviews, but did you want to sum up what your overall feelings were about this before we get into them? Yeah, like I said, I just think I think a lot of it could have been cut down. Like, yeah, I, I think the I think the scene where she shows Steve the uh, yeah the 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 new heights in in flying and technology is great, but like it doesn't serve the plot other than to I I guess you want to give them time. Like, you want to give Steve and Diana time with each other before you take it away again. Yeah. But it's kind of bloating the film. I agree. I agree. I think the other thing that I forgot to mention, now that you stated that, um, that I have a bit of a problem with is I guess I guess the overall blanket message of this is kind of like to count your blessings and be happy with your lot in life. And like not wish for anything too big sure i don't believe that right because like i have a tattoo on my wrist uh that is the uh uh, uh, the letter b and a greater than sign uh for Mm -hmm. b greater and i always believe that there's more that you can accomplish more that you can do you can dream bigger you can want more you can quote unquote wish for more maybe the idea of wishing the like like wanting without action maybe that's what they were damning in this but initially, when mm-hmm. I first saw it, I thought it was just wanting more. And I'm like, there's not nothing wrong with wanting more. It's something wrong with wanting somebody to die, like how some people were wishing people would die or wishing yeah. that people would be deported, which, again, feels like a Trump thing. Um, but, like, wanting more, missing family members, like, that, that, that's a point that I feel like they hammer, right? It's like, we've all lost somebody. We've all want them back, which I feel like sure. was a very weird tone in this time. Right, like, in, like yeah. people are literally burying family members during all this COVID stuff, and to be at, like at the height of it, right? A lot of the a lot of the wishes are like flippant. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I wish I could be famous, and then like all the treasures of being famous suddenly hit that woman. Right, and it, it's like it it goes back to having a little faith in humanity, because yeah. seemingly somebody's wishing for peace on Earth, right? Somewhere, somebody, somebody. Does that negate all the other ones? What happens here? Very yeah. interested in, in knowing what that is. But um, this is the equal time portion of the podcast where I allow those who actually did uh, have positive reviews to speak on it. Um, first, I'm going to read one from Chevelle Foster. He says, my mom loved Wonder Woman. Oh, sorry. Uh, you guys can send these reviews at any time, at any point. Once you know what we're covering, to comicbookclick at gmail.com or... You can go to comicbookclick.com and literally send us an email from there. So uh, Chevelle Foster says, My mom loved Wonder Woman 1984. My mom, who has been a longtime fan of Wonder Woman since the age of nine, told me that she loved Wonder Woman 84. She felt like this film was catering to the Wonder Woman fans of her generation. And as Mm. biased as that may sound, I'm going to have to agree. Grace Randolph said it best. There are two types of Wonder Woman fan. There are a fan that loved Wonder Woman as a fighter and the fan that loves Wonder Woman as a peacemaker. As a fan, uh, my mom represents the latter, and that's okay. My mom grew up watching the legendary Linda Carter grace the screen as Wonder Woman in the 70s. 
Wonder Woman was more colorful and the fights were less about violence and more about maintaining peace and being a protector. In 2017, in the 2017 Wonder Woman film, oh sorry, the 2017 Wonder Woman film was about war and took a more gritty approach, whereas Wonder Woman 1984 is a complete opposite of the 2017 Wonder Woman film. Mm-hmm. I I myself loved the 2017 Wonder Woman film. It was amazing, in my opinion. But my mom was not sold on that new Wonder Woman or Gal Gadot until she saw Wonder Woman 1984. And the end credit scene really made my mom's day. By the way, mm-hmm. my mom had me in 1984. So for me, it was really special to watch her enjoy her hero in action. Aww. So, you know, like I dig, I totally dig that approach. And I actually went and I tried to pick the minds of various people uh, who did like this because I didn't want to get on this cast and, and drag it. I'm certain, I'm certain if you've been, if you came here for a hate fest, there are places you can go. I know. Oh, yeah. I know there are places you can go that are going to oh, drag this. Oh, I've seen YouTube. Yeah, they're going to drag this. And to be completely transparent, I was able to let go of a lot of this steam in conversations with you guys in the Major Issues chat room, um, you know, and get, you know, release some of that, some of that, uh, my disappointment in that, and then watch it again. And, and see it for what it was, not what I wanted it to be. So I I, I, I'm, I dig opinions like that because um, it just lets me see another side. And then we have tremendous friend of the show, Dakota Griswold, wrote in. Hmm. Um, yeah, I believe he runs the Geeks, Nerds, Gaming uh, United, Gamers United uh, page on Facebook. He says, hey there, guys. Yeah, and he has his own YouTube channel. Shout out. Um Hey there, guys. It's me, the Grizz, Dakota Griswold, and I'll keep it short and sweet. Wonder Woman 84 was an enjoyable movie, conveniently released on Christmas Day. As a lover of Christmas, this excited me. Uh, we haven't had a superhero movie all year, and that ducked. I appreciate him for censoring himself. Uh, but it's finally here. This movie was interesting to me, not being a Wonder Woman fan, really. I really enjoyed the archaeological aspect of it, and Kristen Wiig did a great job giving us the messy and all-over-the-place archaeologist. My major issue, slaps knee with her, though, (laughs) shout out, is I must have missed how she completely became Cheetah, and why the fur? Uh, I've only seen her mention anything towards it when she pointed at Diana's shoes. I don't know, bro. I don't have an (laughs) I don't have an answer for that. I think Apex Predator, I don't know if a Cheetah is an Apex Predator. Certainly something eats know. a cheetah. Why, why, why didn't she just become a viper like Randy Orton? A hundred percent. No. What if she literally became Randy Orton? We saw her on top of there with knee pads and elbow pads and, and tribal <laughs> tattoos. Yeah, and tribal tattoos. And, and if she's doing the pose, something's on fire somewhere because he's become an arsonist <laughs> as of late. Um, yeah, I, I remember thinking that too. I, I said that early on. I said, was the only allusion to cheetah when she pointed at the thing? There's a cat. Right? It's like a stuffed cat. Some kind of mountain okay. cat in the background. Yeah, there's, there's some sort of stuffed cat in one scene. Yeah, but there's no ever, you know. And I said, like, if I watched it um, a second time with captions on. And the captions identify her as Cheetah in that fight scene. But just, like, just like Wonder Woman, neither name is ever said out loud. Mm. So I wonder how that plays off to everybody else. If you weren't a Wonder Woman fan, you didn't know cheetah what was that to you right <laughs> she just became a cat woman at the end of it right like what her that mom's... was the thing i thought they were going to do early on because like they had a moment where they had an opportunity to like to name drop yeah because i uh 
you know, they do the thing with the bank scene, and there's like there's a newscast about it, but they don't know who it is. Right. So I'm expecting him to go like like reports of this mysterious Wonder Woman. <laughs> right, right, hundred percent. Yeah, because that's how all these movies go. Like someone else names them because yeah, really, Aquaman got named naming via, yourself via the is news. kind of silly. Yeah, Aquaman got named via the news in his film. Yeah, um, some sort of Aquaman. <laughs> The uh, only person who names himself is Batman, and Batman's insane. Yeah, he is insane. Because they would have called him all kinds of things, and I think he would have got really upset with some of the names they would have came up with him. Right. Is he some sort of badger? Damn it, I'm a bat. <laughs> uh, sort of man bat. <laughs> yeah, that could have went real south for him. Uh, Pedro Pascal has become a well-known... Uh, uh, <clears throat> sorry. Pedro Pascal has become a well-known favorite. So it was great to see him as the Mandalorian, and then two weeks later, he plays a failing business... Man Craving Success. Chris Pine's edition was cool because he inspired Diana to utilize more of her powers. What I did like was the fact that there was really no ultimate villain. Just the stone, honestly. It carved out a solid message on Christmas, no less. Absolutely loved the Egypt highway scene. Want more action out of her in the next showing, but she put in work in all her other outings. Because she put in work in all her other outings. Overall, solid movie. 7 out of 10. And thank you for reading my review. Well, thank you, Dakota, for sending okay. that in. Um, also, to the point um, I think we did in the previous uh, review that uh, Wonder Woman used to be more colorful. This is like the brightest that outfit's ever been. Right, which I think I kind of dig because I wanted I want to believe that after this or after something that happens almost immediately after this, she puts it in the closet and it just gets like dirty dustier, and dustier. dusty and, and dimmer. And so by the time she pulls it out in 2016... You know, it's 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 a little bit more muted. Yes. Uh but we, we shall see there. But that that's it, <laughs> people. Like I said, you weren't gonna get a hate fest here. I really was trying to dive into what I liked and what I didn't, and this is across the board probably one of the more divisive movies that we've gotten in recent years. Uh probably up there I with think Man it's of a Steel. flawed movie, but I don't think it's a terrible movie. Right. And I that's the same thing. There's many more films I think that are worse than it. I think it might have been too um ambitious. I think it might have tried to capture yeah. too many things, and um, it's weird when like Superman, Donner Superman is cute and fun when he's saving uh, kittens from trees. But when he thinks that he can solve the entire world's nuclear problems, right? Then it gets kind of weird. Then you start getting into logistics, and then people start poking holes. And I think that's what right. happened. What happened here? So long as she was saving people in a mall, it's fantastic. When she starts to try to, you know, when he starts to try to do all this presidential stuff, and then the wall that gets erected in Egypt. And um, you know, wishes and all that stuff. It gets kind of gets kind of wonky. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to thank you guys for lasting this long on this episode of the Major Issues Podcast, the very last episode of 2020. What a way to to end it! Like I said, one of the most divisive films of the year, if not of the last five, especially considering DC. Probably the most divisive since Man of Steel. But like what you like, people. Like what you like. And we're still open for business. So if you want to write in and tell us, um, you know, why you dug Wonder Woman or why you didn't, you know, we're here to talk about it. But, uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the Major Issues Podcast. It comes out every single Wednesday. We haven't missed one yet. Knock on the wood. Ow, that hurt. Um, <laughs> knock, knock on. See, you got to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> knock, on, knock on. Oh, did you catch the coffee scene? So, mm-hmm. so in the very, 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 very beginning, when they first see the stone, and they make the joke about it having a wish, one of the one of her coworkers grabs it right and says, "Well, I wish I had a coffee." And then um, another coworker shows up with a cup of bunch of cups of coffee and says, um, 
hey, do you want this extra one? I, I bought one extra by mistake or something like that. Or like, Tom's not in. Would you like this extra coffee? Oh, I completely didn't catch that. Yeah. So I caught that. But on second watch... They established that real fast then. Yeah, yeah. But on the second watch, what I caught was he drinks that coffee and burns his tongue. Ha! Ah! So immediate ramifications right after that. So at the very least, they try to keep it consistent and keep a theme going. Um, gotcha. But yeah. Uh, follow the Major Issues podcast. The easiest way to do so is to go to comicbookclick.com. It's the one shop. It's the one stop shop for all the things Comic Book Click articles. Um, every episode of the Major Issues podcast, our merchandise is there. A little bit of, a little bit tidbits about the members of the Click is there as well. So go ahead to comicbookclick.com. Again, the quickest way to get all of our stuff, all of our content, is right there. And it's also where you can support us on Patreon for as little as three dollars a month. Right now, we got something going on for a full week. You can uh, download our CBC commentary for Dark Phoenix. If you thought Dark Phoenix was as horrendous as we did, you can have us sit right there and joke about it alongside you as you watch the film. If you go to uh, patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse, that commentary will not be free for much longer. It's to tantalize those out there to get them into the clubhouse. Um, but we will be producing more exclusive content very soon uh, to you know uh, give you guys more of an update on that. Uh, you can subscribe to the Major Issues Podcast wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast, uh, Apple Podcast. I said that Spotify, TuneFind, YouTube. Uh, we are everywhere. Um, the easy, easy eh, the easiest way to find us is to type Major Issues Podcast into the search bar of Google, and we will be the first ones to pop right up because we're always talking about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We like your feedback. Uh, we're getting more of it uh, than we ever have before and it's cool to read you guys original opinions so keep sending that in Uh, you can always reach us at all of our social media accounts like facebook.com slash comic book click instagram at comic book click or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest hot and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media all of that is in the show notes we're also at uh... wait where were we on twitter I forgot Oh, we're at Major Issue CBC on Twitter. <laughs> we're at Major Issue nice. CBC on Twitter. Um, GT, I believe you have a Twitter as well. Yes, Rebirth GT. Yeah. I will argue with you about Star Wars. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of arguing about Star Wars going on, so go on there. <laughs> um, and if you go through GT, GT is also a co-host of another popular podcast, the Dirt Sheet Radio Podcast, alongside hey. uh, Jonathan Escadero, a.k.a. Yogi. Our two boys I'm grown, have grown up. They left the roost and out there <laughs> talking about men in tights. So get get in and get on that uh, because I think that the current episode that come out is going to be really uh, heart-wrenching slash heartwarming. I know you guys are going to kill it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, follow us on all the social medias. Rate and review us on iTunes. This is the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't like and change accordingly. Even though I kind of think you're digging what you dig now. And I've been to the future uh, where we do become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media, but I can't tell you how we do it. Uh, just get on the bandwagon bec- before it gets full, because eventually we'll be so inundated with feedback that we got to be selective about it. You understand? Know you want to get in early. You want to get in while the party's still <laughs> going. You know, we want to get in while uh, Pascal's in full coke sweat mode. That's what that's what you're trying right. to. That's that's the kind of urgency I want from you guys. All right, I want I want you guys in full Maxwell Lord uh, preacher sweat mode. Uh, so get in and get in on that. Um, I believe that is all of our uh, homework up top or at the end. So I'm going to go ahead and say that my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. 
I am Gregory Thomas, a.k.a. GT Rebirth. And this has been our Wonder Woman 1984 review. And remember, whether it took you 70 years to get over your ex, whether (laughs) whether you might be a little bit thirstier than normal, whether all the cocaine has you sweating and you just wish you had one more wish, or you got a little bit of fur in your throat, remember, (laughs) remember to never, oh, be careful what you wish for, right? That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Remember to be careful what you wish for. Remember that only love can truly save the world. And remember that you, yes, you are worthy. 